0: Hi everyone, say hi to Megan Grover. She has been in the industry of nutrition, herbal medicine and education for the last 10 years. Megan has a master's of medical science and human nutrition and uses herbal medicine in her practice. I'm really happy to have her on the show today to talk about adaptogens and the stress response. So welcome.
1: Thank you, thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, I'm really excited because I first heard you talk uh, with Sophia Health you know, a few months ago, and you explained this really well. So I think I just want to start off with like, um, when it comes to the stress response, what does that really mean?
1: Yeah, that is a huge topic in itself. um, (laughs) Yeah, well, I think it's something it's become a really big topic that I have delved into a lot, just because so many people are constantly dealing with stress. And I think a lot of diseases that people in our society currently deal with are all stress related. Um, Just because of all of the different damaging effects that stress can have on your body when you're constantly secreting stress hormones. So a simple, we could talk a long time about it, but like a simple explanation of the stress response would basically be like whenever let's say you like run through a red light so you know like when you run through a red light you immediately your heart starts beating really quickly and you're like sweating um so basically your brain is telling your endocrine system like oh my gosh like we just had a massive stressor and so the immediate neural response is to secrete norepinephrine and epinephrine and they are what makes your heartbeat faster. They are what makes you breathe more quickly. Um, They make you start sweating. And that's like your initial stress response. And then if you continue having, feeling stressed by the stressor or the stressor is still triggering you, then it starts to trigger your endocrine system. So then the endocrine system is your brain will eventually send a signal down to your adrenal glands and your adrenal glands will also secrete norepinephrine and epinephrine, as well as cortisol. And all of those, one of the things that they do is they stimulate elevated blood sugar levels so that you have energy to deal with the stressor. So that ends up obviously being detrimental because if someone is constantly secreting stress hormones, One of the byproducts of that is their blood sugar levels are also constantly elevated Mm -hmm. is one of the aspects. And then over time, it can also cause an excess secretion of inflammatory molecules in your body. Um, It can cause you to be depleted in vitamin C because every time your adrenal glands are secreting cortisol, they also simultaneously dump vitamin C as well. And the list just goes on and on and on. Mm -hmm.
0: And so um, when you say like um, your body uses up like glucose or your blood sugar levels rise in order for your body to use that energy to cope with the stressors, does that mean like if someone is having multiple like sweet cravings throughout the day, does that mean, you know, does that indicate
1: that they might be like overly stressed? Not typically, no. I mean, it could mainly just because sugar is addictive and so... If people are stressed, sometimes they'll crave sugar just because it has more of like an opiate like effect Mm -hmm. in your brain and automatically makes you feel good. But that is typically a little bit outside of the stress hormones.
0: Okay. Okay. And so I also want to point to the fact that you said that, you know, the stress hormones, and the stress response comes up like, you know, in an everyday situation, like running a red light, or, you know, if like, for example, if we keep hearing our email beeping, like that can also prompt a stress response, right? Like, it's just simple things like that. It doesn't have to be like a big traumatic event.
1: Right. And I think especially in the US, we have set ourselves up for that to constantly be in a stress response um, because we live in such a competitive society so and you know this even especially from living somewhere like LA or if you live in a big city that's pretty constant where you're you're always feeling like you have to be doing something and so then when people aren't having a stress response they feel they feel abnormal because they're not getting like that energy kick that you do from like a stress mm-hmm. response. But the thing is, is that's not sustainable. And so if you think about um how many people now are dealing with like adrenal fatigue or autoimmune diseases, um a lot of that is off is often connected to constantly being in a stress response. So for example, um when I lived in Colorado and I had I was working a lot more with clients rather than doing a lot of teaching, um, I had a lot of autoimmune clients and one of the, and that's kind of what ended up making me delve more into learning more about stress and what it does to the body and learning more about adaptogenic herbs because I had all these autoimmune clients and they would go to their doctor and the doctor would be like, oh, it's idiopathic, meaning we don't know the cause of their stress of like why your body is now attacking itself. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, that's not possible. There's always a cause for something like right. you always there. Your body just doesn't randomly manifest disease, like something else had to have triggered that. So then I st- one of the questions that I started to ask a lot of my autoimmune clients, like during our first session was, well, what else was happening in your life at your disease onset? Like when you started to manifest symptoms, what else was happening? And I would say, like maybe nine out of 10 of them, some form of extreme stressor or trauma was taking place in their life. So, like, for example, one of my clients was like going through a crazy divorce and trying to get like custody of his child. And like another client, his brother had recently died or like another one had had a lot of trauma growing up as a child. And there was always some form of a trauma that ended up like triggering their disease. Mm. And so after that, I kind of just like delved into my own research hole of learning a lot more about like stress impacting the body and how that related to autoimmunity in your immune system like getting out of control because of a now damaged stress response just because of being chronically stressed. Because although for a while, your body can keep up with the stressor and it'll keep cortisol and epinephrine and norepinephrine. And those hormones also tend to be, um, they basically are immunosuppressors. So they suppress Mm -hmm. your immune response, which is why when you're stressed, you get sick easier. But then after a while, your adrenal gland can't keep up and it doesn't have enough substrates to keep producing your stress hormones anymore. So then your adrenal gland is no longer able to keep producing like cortisol and epinephrine at the same level, which then leads to fatigue. Mm-hmm. But now these hormones that normally like, cause cortisol, you naturally secrete, especially in the morning to wake up, but Right. stop producing cortisol, like cortisol is a natural immunosuppressant. So one of the things that ends up happening once your cortisol levels are really low is now your immune system starts to become overly reactive. There's like more of an explanation behind it, but that's like a simple
0: explanation.
1: And then that was really interesting for me to learn because I was like, oh, no wonder then that people, once they have been going through chronic stress, and then their adrenal glands can't keep up anymore they their immune system start to go out of control leading to things like autoimmunity
0: right so it seems like you know even like emotional stress or you know stress that it's not like people would think wouldn't affect their bodies what does affect the body and it comes out like physically and physiologically Um, I like how you painted that whole picture of like how the adrenals gets like really tired and then the immune system kind of goes out of control. Um, When you're saying that, you know, if someone gets to a point where the adrenals can't keep up anymore and they have like low cortisol, would that um, be a sign of like when someone is waking up and they can't wake up or they feel groggy when they wake up? Is that one of the signs?
1: Yeah, because you're um, naturally so again, cortisol is, a, is in a classification of hormones it's called glucosteroids. So one of its roles is to elevate your blood sugar levels mm-hmm. when it's produced. So cortisol is a chronic stress hormone, but it's also kind of in, if you're healthy, and you're not stressed, which is not the majority of us. <laughs> it's like, in relationship to your circadian rhythm. So your cortisol levels should be highest in the morning when you first wake up to like, because it elevates your blood sugar and it boosts you up and it wakes you up. Mm
0: -hmm. And then
1: as the day goes on, your cortisol levels will slowly decline so that by the time you're about to go to bed, your cortisol levels are at their lowest. And then, and then again, they slowly start to creep up before you wake up again. So when someone is dealing with like adrenal fatigue, where their adrenal gland can no longer produce adequate amounts of cortisol, mm-hmm. they have a really difficult time waking up because they're not releasing that much cortisol in the morning. So you have nothing to elevate your blood glucose levels. So you just feel like tired. Right. But then at that point, usually it's out of control. So like they may not have enough cortisol in the morning to wake up, but then all of a sudden by the evening their cortisol maybe spikes a little bit. And then even though their like body is exhausted, mm-hmm. they like can't, they have a hard time going to sleep. Mm-hmm oh mm-hmm. i
0: can i can envision that playing out for a lot of people and then also like reaching for that coffee or stimulant in the morning to try to you know compensate that right right okay and so um i'm just thinking you know as we move forward in the new year like we don't know if it's like it's going <laughs> to open up or anything like if we're still going to be working from home or staying at home so much Um, How can we better like be aware of what's causing us to be stressed, and how do we modulate our stress response?
1: Yeah, it's a good question. It's a big big question. (laughs) Yeah, it's a hard one because I feel like a lot of our stressors you can't necessarily always remove yourself from, right? Like, not every so sometimes the solution is be like, well, you should quit your job and look for a new one if you're unhappy and that's constantly making you stress. But like, that's That's not not
0: really. Yeah, it's not realistic now, too.
1: No, yeah, it's not yeah. realistic for most people. Um, so you can't always recommend that. And then, you know, if people are fa- have family stressors, you can't always run away from your family. So I-, I guess first off, and then I'll kind of go into some other things. I think something, at least for me, that I have learned this year, especially from having such a crazy year, is to be really okay with setting boundaries. Like, with a work environment so like I do a lot of teaching and I think students automatically assume that you'll all via email so Mm -hmm. like students will email me at like 10 o'clock at night or they'll email me like over the weekend and I've been trying I've tried to be a lot better about being like I'm not going to respond like because I don't need to be checking and responding to emails at nine o'clock at night and if you want to check emails over the weekend like I don't have to like i'm allowed to be a human and not work 24 7 and like that's not sustainable and so i've learned to like say that to my students be like hey and i don't and on my phone i don't get email alerts like i actually mm-hmm. have to go into email so that's a big one for me is not having email alerts and then reminding students like hey if you email me at 10 o'clock at night i'm probably not going to respond to you um mm-hmm. because your emergency is not my emergency. Right. Or learning to be like, oh, this relationship with these types of friends is toxic. And as hard as it is, I'm going to remove myself from the situation because I don't have to be in relationships with people that are constantly making me feel stressed. And so I think because we're in such like a performance society, people forget that it's okay to have healthy boundaries around you Mm -hmm. to limit some of that stress response. And then I think another one that I've like mentality wise, I think is really important is shifting your perspective a lot. Like people like, so even if you just use COVID as an example, like when it started happening, people were massively freaking out. And some of that was justified. But then on the other hand, it's also having this mentality being like, okay, well, actually, what is me freaking out? how is that making the situation better? Mm-hmm. it's not it's actually making it worse because it's making me feel even more and more anxious and I'm just sending myself on this like anxiety roller coaster when really that roller coaster isn't serving me mm-hmm. so I think it's learning to be like okay what what is in my control and what is out of my control because it's out of my control there's no use in stressing about it because I can't do anything to change it you know so I'm gonna yeah. focus on what I can change and try to make that better because that is what's in my control. So I think those are, those, that mentality aspect is really big. And then, and then I think there's aspects like lifestyle and health that you can do. So um, diet is obviously a big one, as you know. And so for me this year, like I've gone off caffeine because that wasn't serving me like it was just mm-hmm. adding to the anxiety. So like, Remove caffeine from my diet, like, because caffeine also stimulates a cortisol response. So if you're already like, in, dipping into the adrenal fatigue zone, having caffeine is going to make you feel terrible. Um, so removing stuff like that from your diet. Um, alcohol also stimulates a cortisol response. So, so a lot of our coping mechanisms that we use in a stressor often make it worse. Right. Which is difficult. So like removing some of those, um, I think in the long term can help a lot. And, and then also just like sleeping. And and as much as that sounds silly, I think people feel, I I don't know how many times I've talked to people and they're like, Oh my gosh, I just feel so guilty. Like I just slept today. And I'm like, yeah, because your (laughs) body needed that. Like you're exhausted. You've been dealing with all of these stressors and trauma. Like that's your body telling you like hey we can't keep up anymore like we need to just rest and heal and your body does so much healing when you're mm-hmm. sleeping
0: yeah I really wish that sleeping is not like we will get to a point where we're not guilty about resting or sleeping I totally yeah agree. yeah <laughs> Um, Yeah, there was a there's a lot to unpack there. And I would have to say that I agree with you about the whole perspective thing. And then also drawing boundaries. I actually had the same conversation yesterday with my client, like she's been really stressed. And, you know, even going off work, like around 7pm, she still checks her email in case there's like stuff coming in. And I think it's also a little hard for especially people who are under Um, not necessarily the boss but they have like a lot of people that they have to account for and then also you know she's like you know everyone's doing this like everyone's sending out emails around this time and yeah it was totally like I had to tell her like yeah you know you do need to draw a boundary around a certain time like um and it's just being aware of that I think it's really important
1: yeah yeah and then not feeling guilty about it
0: yeah which is really hard because sometimes you know you get drawn into a work place culture and then you don't want to be like not responding and then right yeah but I guess it's just like a really like um balance and really being aware of how is this affecting you or your health
1: right Yeah.
0: yeah um so then what about like people with anxiety or depression um how does the stress response play out with them is it any different or similar
1: I think it's very similar because it's really all um because it's basically the your neuroendocrine system that is responding so like in one of I teach at a nutrition school and in one of our one of the classes I teach we talk about the mind-body connection mm-hmm. and which sounds like when people hear that they're like oh that sounds really like voodoo <laughs> you know like stuff but there's actually like science behind it because it's really like The mind-body connection is really just like your nervous system connected to your endocrine system. And so your brain is obviously a really powerful organ and its job is to respond to whatever is going on in your outside environment, right? So like when you're happy, your body produces certain neurotransmitters, whereas if you're like sad or stressed, your body's going to produce other types of neurotransmitters, and then that's going to have a different type of physiological response in your body. So like with anxiety, for example, like people who are constantly feeling that, um, it's basically like how they are responding to their outside world, right? So they could be like looking at their outside world and being like, oh my gosh, um, I have so much to do, or these, all these, there's all these things in my life that don't feel Right. And then as a response, then their body is producing stress hormones because your brain doesn't know the difference between what real stress is versus just like contrived stress, right? Mm -hmm. All that it knows is that your person is responding to something in a stressful manner, right? It's getting triggered by a situation. So no matter what the stressor is, your body's going to respond by secreting stress hormones. So And then as a result, hence why you get like deterioration over time. Mm -hmm. Um, So there's different, obviously there's different things um, that you can do for both of them. So if you think about with depression, when people go on antidepressants, they're triggering, um, they're stimulating a different neurotransmitter to be released in order to feel better, right? Mm -hmm. So like in order to whatever it is, like to secrete more serotonin or um, and then same with anxiety, when people go on like anxiety medication, they're helping like try to stop the stress response so that someone isn't constantly secreting stress hormones, um, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, that does make sense. Like, um, you know, depending on if you have anxiety or depression, it really like um, you're basically saying that, you know, it, there's a suppression of a certain neurotransmitter. Um, and also when we're stressed, it kind of worsens that. Right. Um, and so here I'm just wondering where does adaptogens come into play? Like you were talking about like lifestyle strategies. Um, I guess yeah. it's a lot of like you know resting and slowing down, having like boundaries and all that. Yeah. Um, what about like herbal medicine? How does that come into?
1: Yeah, I. Um- so I the adaptogens are a category of herbs that I love I have a ton of them at my house um Mm -hmm. like the little mini apothecary that's cute I know I love Uh, that yeah so I so I'll kind of like backtrack so I um recently again for the nutrition school that I work with I mean work for um came up with this adaptogens webinar and so in it we talk about like stress and it's like a five-week webinar but then we talk about stress and how damaging it is to your body and then um, and then talk about how adaptogens can help your stress response so again plant medicine is always kind of funny because it's another one of those categories that people are like oh it's woo woo you know Mm -hmm. pharmaceuticals but most pharmaceutical drugs the way that they were designed was usually by mimicking um substrates that were in plants right and then just like making it even stronger so they're like making the chemicals that you find in plants so adaptogens are kind of an amazing class and a lot of the original research of them um, actually started taking place in russia in the 1960s i think and they were used before then a lot especially like chinese medicine like they've been using different adaptogens for a really long time same with like ayurvedic medicine in India, they've been using adaptogens for a long time. But then like recent research was relating what um, started taking place in Russia, where um, they were trying to come up with ways to help their Olympic athletes, as well Mm -hmm. as some of their workers who dealt with like more stressful situations. So if you think about when you're an Olympic athlete or athlete in general, you're constantly putting your body through stress, right? And then that's how you get better. So if you think about if you were to, you signed up for a marathon, but you've never run before, you're not just like gonna go run 20 miles tomorrow, to train, right? Yeah, you'll like slowly work up to it, you'll like maybe start off with like, doing three miles a day with like, a seven mile long run, and then like slowly increase that until. And so basically, what you're doing is you're putting your body through some stress, and then your body adapts, right? And then you're able to do you're able to put it through even more stress because then your body adapts even more, right? And then mm-hmm. so eventually your body has adapted enough that you can now do 26 months, right? right. So the different adapt- adaptations for the stressor is like you grow more capillary beds, your heart muscle gets bigger so that it's stronger, mm-hmm. like your lung capacity increases, like all of these adaptations take place so that you can deal with the physical stressor that you're putting your body through. So um, adaptogens are called adaptogens because that's what they do. They like help your body adapt better to stress. So a lot of, um, so if you think of stress hormones, like cortisol, especially is a cholesterol based compound. And so a lot of adaptogens actually have molecules within their plant structure that look similar to cortisol um, in its structure. So are almost like mm-hmm. cholesterol-based molecules that they mm-hmm. contain. And some of them like mimic, cort- can like mimic cortisol or mimic some of your stress and sex hormones as well, which is really cool. So anyway, so back to Russia, they, in the 1960s, they first like put their athletes on ginseng, but then ginseng was like way too stimulating. So they had to take mm-hmm. them off of it. And then they put them on ulithro instead, which is like, it's considered like the king adaptogen of herbs. And basically that's what they found is when their athletes were on ulithro, it helped their body adapt better to the stressor of exercise where they were able to like, um, have improved endurance they mm-hmm. had improved recovery where their body recovered more quickly and they were able to like go back at it again the next day um, but it improved their recovery and then and also their adapt their adaptive response to stressor that they were able to consistently improve as athletes and then mm-hmm. I think in the Olympics that preceded, they I don't know they won a lot of gold medals that year <laughs> I yeah. bet <laughs> so it was pretty cool to like read that um, and just hear about how it was actually like implemented um and in the U.S. we like don't really prioritize plant medicine a lot so it right. feels woo-woo because it's not it's not pharmaceuticals but that's basically what adaptogens do so when you consume them they because they have compounds in their structure that are similar to the structure of like cortisol, for example, it slightly mimics a stress response in your body. And so since it mimics a slight stress response, it helps your body adapt better to stressors. Like, so as a a result, your body is able to build up a little bit more resiliency to like, um, whenever you're stimulated by a stress response. Mm. So as a result, because it's like adapting your body to stressors, adaptogens aren't the type of herbs that you just like take on a one-off and you're like woo I feel amazing like you have to consistently be taking them regularly Mm -hmm. so people don't really see benefit with adaptogens unless they've been like taking it on a regular basis for like a couple weeks like for a few weeks at a time right Um, and then your body slowly starts to adapt so then adaptogens have shown to do things like prevent some of the like oxidative stress that happens with, um, when you constantly secrete stress hormones, um, they help the adrenal gland not over-secrete stress hormones. It like responds more appropriately, mm-hmm. whereas just like secreting an adequate amount rather than like over-secreting. Um, it also helps ensure that your hypothalamus is still able to respond to the stressor and still signal the adrenal glands to keep secreting Cortisol so that you then don't go into adrenal fatigue. Mm. Um, And it helps the rest of your body respond better to stress hormones so that you're still consistently responding rather than like your body shutting down. Um, Or another example, like I said before, where um, whenever you secrete cortisol, your adrenal glands store a lot of vitamin C. So when you secrete cortisol, a lot of times your adrenal glands also do something called vitamin C dumping, where it gets rid of vitamin C more quickly, which is detrimental because vitamin C is necessary for the production of epinephrine and norepinephrine. So if you keep getting depleted of vitamin C, you can't produce those other stress hormones as adequately, which would then lead you into adrenal fatigue more quickly. So that's another one. And then vitamin C is also a really strong antioxidant. So it's important for helping combat some of the like free radicals that are naturally produced from secreting stress hormones. Mm-hmm. Um, so urethro, which is, again, like an adaptogen, has been shown to prevent vitamin C dumping from the adrenal glands mm-hmm. so that you still have enough of that available to produce epinephrine and norepinephrine and combat free radicals and inflammation.
0: Oh, that's awesome. That's a good example. Um, I've always heard of adaptogens, but then I feel like there are not a lot of clear um, explanations as to how they modulate the stress response. Um, And also, I think, you know, once they modulate the stress response, that also has a lot of downstream benefits on like other systems, right? Like your thyroid and sleeping and brain fog and all that.
1: Yeah, exactly. Okay.
0: Okay. Cool. And I'm just wondering, so if someone were to take adaptogens, are they more potent when they're in like liquid or in capsule?
1: Yeah, I don't like taking them in capsule form. I feel like you kind of miss out on the therapeutic quality of herbs because I think, and maybe this is probably like a woo-woo response, but um, I think when people take capsules, they're trying to have the same effect that they would have like from taking pharmaceuticals, which I think people need to remove that type of mentality when it comes to natural medicine. So like for me, and anytime I've had people take adaptogens, I always have them take it as like a a tea in like tea form or even tincture, but Mm. tea form preferably because there's like a process with it. Like you actually have to sit down and take some time out of your day to like boil water and then add it into your diffuser or whatever you have mm. like a pot um over your herbs and then because a lot of adaptogens um you usually consume it from the root so you have to let it diffuse for a longer period of time or um not diffuse whatever it's um, called, steep i steep, think it's steep, yeah. Yeah, definitely <laughs> okay. steep longer so yeah. like a steep for like 20 minutes um 15 to 20 minutes to get more of the medicinal aspect right. out of it and then you get to drink the tea while you're, like, working, and it has, like, more of a calming effect as you're, like, in, you're in the midst of, like, stress versus just, like, popping a pill and not having any relationship with the herb. Right. Um, so, I like it for that reason, just because you get to develop a little bit more of a relationship with it, which sounds kind of silly, but I think, I mean, it's the same thing with coffee. You know, people love coffee. Mm-hmm around it yeah yeah like it's not just getting the caffeine it's like also the ritual behind Mm -hmm. it um whereas I think there's something really beautiful about having like a ritual with tea and then as you've been doing it over time starting to see like oh I'm feeling less triggered when I'm getting work emails or I feel like a lot more grounded during my day now that I've been consuming this blend for like a, a couple weeks you know right
0: I like that. Um, for me, we I recently purchased like, you know, like two tea, um, loose leaf kind of tea mm. bags, um, tea packets. And one of them was the stress relief. And mm. it had all these things in it, including like uh, ashwagandha and cover root and all that. And yeah. I've been like secretly brewing that for my husband because <laughs> I know he's stressed. And I'm like, do you want tea? But I don't tell him what it is. <laughs> Um, and so that's really nice to know that you know it's like great in tea form and it's also really easy to like ingest like it doesn't taste very bad you know mm-hmm. people think it's like root so they think it's like oh my god it's like so bitter and all that but it's actually not it's like no. and light yeah
1: yeah and I always add like in my tea blends I always add licorice root not very much just like a tiny amount uh, because licorice is an adaptogen but it's also super sweet like 100 times sweeter than sucrose so you just have to add like a little bit into your tea blend and then it tastes yeah. really nice and so then it kind of tricks people because then they're like oh my gosh this is so tasty because then I'm like <laughs> don't add sugar to it because I'm also like trying to be like don't add sugar to your tea like right, right now. It's the last thing you need mm-hmm. um and then yeah
0: it's like you can trick your brain into thinking you're drinking sweet tea almost right right yeah
1: because it's sweet but it doesn't like it doesn't stimulate your blood sugar and like yeah actually so
0: i love that so um if someone were on medications like are there adaptogens which interact with medications i suppose Mm -hmm. they are
1: Uh, would like would it interfere with medications yeah um yeah there definitely are i mean that's something especially if you're like on antidepressants or anything kind of relating or um, anti-anxiety medication is definitely something worth doing, putting some research into. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, so that's a big area. I'm not like, my specialty definitely isn't with drugs. I'll like look them up if I'm working with a client, like before I recommend any herbs to them, make sure it doesn't contraindicate any medication that they're using, but. If they are on antidepressants or they are on anti-anxiety medication that is something they would have to look into a little bit yeah um another thing too actually is not all of them but a lot of adaptogens are um they basically help also regulate your immune system so some mm-hmm. of them stimulate um your immune system which can be helpful if you're like in adrenal fatigue where your immune system isn't really working um properly but if someone has like um, autoimmunity, a lot of adaptogens would not be beneficial for them just because of how they um, deal with your immune system. Mm-hmm. And so people who have um, autoimmunity, their immune system is overly reactive. So not some um, adaptogens are like immunosuppressants, but then other adaptogens like stimulate your immune system. Yeah. So those herbs, people with um, autoimmunity would want to avoid just because that might just send them into, it might just trigger like an inflammatory response. Um, Other ones as well, like ashwagandha is one of my favorite um, adaptogens, but it's a nightshade. So a lot of people with autoimmune diseases are sensitive to nightshades. So mm-hmm. those would also be ones that you would want to be cautious of and not right. recommend. Um, and then another thing as well, just because a lot of adaptogens, um, again, have cholesterol based compounds in them that mimic like cortisol, but also mimic um, sex hormones some of them, not all of them, but some of them can have like an estrogen like effect on the body. So if someone say has, um, estrogen positive breast cancer, then there's definitely some adaptogens I wouldn't recommend to them just because you want to avoid anything that may have like a hormonal effect on their body. Mm. So for most people it'd be fine. And even for most women, that could be really beneficial or women in menopause, that could be great. But if they have an estrogen-based um, or hormonal-based breast cancer or even hormonal-based like ovarian cancer, then those are things you want to be really cautious of.
0: That's really good to know because I also think that when people think about uh, plant medicines or stuff like that, it's like easy to self-medicate or just read whatever that's on the box. So that's really good to know. Um, and so you know, on that note, like when it comes to adaptogens, do you recommend people like check in with their practitioner or are there, you know, can they buy certain general ones if they're like really stressed?
1: Yeah, I usually um, I mean it's okay for them to check with their practitioner, but to be honest, most unless they yeah, wouldn't like, know either <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't have no idea. So, okay. I mean, I that's that is kind of a tricky part. I was thinking about that the other day with herbs like, now that all of these health stores have all forms of herbs available yeah. all the time. And like that's amazing that we have this access now that people are aware herbal medicine is beneficial, but I'm like also not super helpful because mm-hmm. people don't realize that herbs can also have like a pharmaceutical in- effect on your body. Right. And if you're not educated about how it impacts you, you could end up causing more harm than good in your system. You know, mm-hmm. like another adaptation that's like that is ginseng. And I I don't even touch ginseng. Like I never take it because I know it's like very stimulating. And we already have like a whole society of people who are addicted to caffeine. Mm-hmm. So if someone's already consuming a lot of caffeine during the day and then they also consume ginseng for energy, I'm like, you're gonna. <laughs> you cause yourself to go into adrenal fatigue because it's such a stimulating herb right so people who already have like an anxious um constituency or like as it or like in Chinese medicine they would say like run hot you shouldn't take ginseng because it's like a really hot stimulating herb you know mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um so I think if people um have I mean if you if people don't have a lot of the other side effects like people don't have autoimmunity or they don't have um yeah they don't have autoimmunity most of the time it's okay or if they don't have cancer they're probably gonna be fine and some of the adaptogens have actually there's a ton of research on them helping with cancer but again not if it's like estrogen based that's like a whole ball game you know it's a hormonal based cancer um so most adaptogens are pretty safe like ashwagandha reishi um, Elithro, um, those are all pretty safe herbs, but you obviously always have your outliers of where it's not very safe for people to take. You know, yeah. and also because adaptogens, especially ones like Ulythro and another really stimulating one, astragalus, which is actually um, really great for stimulating your immune system, so it's a good one for people to take like now with COVID and <laughs> this season. Astragalus mm-hmm. and reishi are like by far the prize of how they support your immune system. Um, but what people wouldn't know if they just like picked this up at the general store, health food store is a lot of those types of herbs, like astragalus, cause it is really potent. You have to take a break. So like right. if you're taking it for four weeks consistently after four weeks, you should probably take two weeks off before you go back on it. Mm-hmm. Just to let your break, your body kind of come down a little bit. Um, I've also
0: seen, um, well, speaking of astragalus, I've also seen like recipes where they, you know, just stew the astragalus pieces in like porridge or, you know, some kind of soup. And I'm just wondering, like, if you're cooking it with like, or if you're eating it, you know, with other ingredients, like does that actually help the potency of the herb or is it, you know? Totally. They actually,
1: like in... um... Astragalus was commonly used in China, right? was so right. based in Chinese medicine.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and so is reishi as well. And both of those herbs, like astragalus is really like, if you ever buy it, it's really, um, it's like bark. It's stupid. yeah. I have some at home. It's like fibrous. Yeah. It's so fibrous. <laughs> and so is reishi, you know, right. like a mushroom that grows off of a tree bark. Um, so they're like really fibrous. Mm -hmm. So to actually get like the medicinal compound out of it, you have to stew them for a long period of time. So if you're making a tea, you need to let it steep in hot water for a prolonged period. But like in Chinese medicine, usually when they've consumed astragalus or reishi, they'll like let it sit in hot boiling water for like quite a while just to like Mm -hmm. extract all the medicine out of it. So that's also why they commonly will have it steep in soup where they're cooking a soup and they'll have slices Mm -hmm. of reishi or slices of astragalus in their soup and then um and then you know you cook soup sometimes for a couple hours so it's like fusing into it during that time period and then prior to the meal then you remove the reishi and you remove the astragalus Mm -hmm. um and now that medicine is like in your soup so that's actually a really great way
0: to consume
1: it um they both do have pretty potent flavors Mm -hmm. um So it's definitely going to like change the flavor. But but that's a really good way to consume it. Like that's commonly how it was consumed. Right. Okay.
0: Yeah. Good to know, like, you know, what the difference is like in tea and capsule and like in foods. Um, Just so for people to know. That's really great info. And so if, you know, people want to know more about adaptogens or how to use them and also, you know, just more about the stress response, uh, where can they find you?
1: So I, um, you can find me on a couple different places. I'm on Sophia health. I'm on their website. So you can find me on Sophia health and wellness. Um, you can also find me on Instagram and that's a really easy way then to message me and contact me. And then my Instagram handle is at the adaptogen.
0: The, the <laughs> um, adaptogen.
1: The <laughs> adaptogen. So okay. lady, L-A-D-Y adaptogen, A-D-A-P-T-O-G-E-N. Okay. Um, so that's a really easy way to find me because then people can just message me through that. So like I have people who have messaged me through that to ask for like tea blends and then I'll just send them a blend in the mail based on what they tell me they want. Um, so that's a super easy way to do that. Um, I also, through the Nutrition Therapy Institute, which mm-hmm. is based out of Denver, Colorado, I teach quite a few classes online at their school. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I'm doing the adaptogens webinar again in March. So they're welcome to sign up for that. It'll be advertised through the Nutrition Therapy Institute. So if they want to sign up for the five week webinar where we talk about stress, Mm -hmm. we talk about why stress is damaging. And then we talk a lot about a lot of the main adaptogens and actually go into detail of how they benefit your body during stress. Um, So it's a five week webinar starts in March. So they can sign up for that through the website. So there'll be like an option where you can sign up for it live um, where we're like on Zoom together mm-hmm. or they can sign up after it's over um, for the recorded version, which is just like a se- where I'm like recording this separately um, for people who don't have time to like do it with everybody else. So they can just go through it on their own time. So that would be a really great way to learn more about herbs. So. Nutrition Therapy Institute, Adaptogens webinar, or contacting me either through Instagram or um, Sophia Health.
0: Okay, sounds good. I'm going to put that all in. Um, yeah, I might hit you up about the tea blends too, because I'm very interested yeah. in that. Um, and I guess that's all. Like, thank you so much for being here. I think that was a ton of information. It's really <laughs> good to break it down. And also, I like that we talked about like, you know, um, how modulating the stress response at home, it's really about like perspective and awareness. And it's not just like finding like band aid fixes. Right. Yeah, it's a lot more than that. Well, thank you. It was so nice to have you. Yeah, thank you so
1: much for having me.